welcome everybody to Wonder. Thanks so much for joining us today. I am Christine and we have a really great and exciting podcast today. One of my favorites. Today we are talking about Vietri Sumar on the Amalfi Coast and we're diving into part one of our Amalfi Coast adventures. This episode was really exhilarating to record. I had such a good time and listening back on the audio, I feel that we still have so much to cover on Vietri. It's so interesting after just a couple day trip, how much there is to to talk about a certain place. And so I'm really excited for you all to listen. As I've mentioned in the podcast before, recording these podcasts on these different places, I really want to serve as a you know, resource and a way to just get a general vibe on a place. And I really feel like this podcast did such a good job of that, especially because I went into the Amalfi Coast not knowing anything about the Amalfi Coast. I had heard of it. I had watched videos of it. I had daydreamed about it in lockdown, but I hadn't actually been to Italy yet. And so for my first time, this was a really special and amazing spot. And it was so fun for Hugh and I to get to do it together and explore this part one of this amazing spot. So I'm really excited for you all to listen. We have not done an intro in a couple of weeks. I don't do the intros on the wildcard episodes, but we are currently sitting in a bit of a weather storm. So it's been really rainy in Sydney the last couple of days, which is actually really great because we haven't gotten much rain throughout the winter. And so it's a bit dark and stormy, especially heading into Halloween. It's the perfect vibe. By the time this comes out, it will have just been Halloween. So as being an American, I love Halloween. It's so much fun. And we are celebrating in Australia this year for really the first time I've actually celebrated Halloween in Australia. So really excited for that. And yeah, it's such a fun holiday. It seems like Australia is getting more and more into it every year. There are actually quite a bit of decorations around uh, around our neighborhood, and it's really been exciting to see. So I'm really, really excited to, to have a, a fun Halloween, although it's on my bucket list to go back to the US for a Halloween at some point in the, the near future. But outside of that, we are making some preparations for our New York trip in uh, December. So if you're listening and you have any recommendations, feel free to send them through. New York is similar to the Amafi in that there's so much information and there's so much to do that you really have to be super conscientious and sit down and go through everything. And that is one thing that we are are doing in the next couple of days. So really excited for that trip. But in terms of the travel sphere, it's been really interesting seeing Australia get ready for summer. So we're in our lead up to summer and we are starting to, the weather is starting to get really nice. It's starting to get a bit busier and we currently have sculptures by the sea going on, which is the first tourist attraction of the season where there's all these great sculptures from different artists around Australia uh, along the a portion of the coastal walk. And it's really cool, great way to 
get people outside, get people walking along the coastal walk. And it really flags this start of, of summer and, and tourist season. The coastal walk during that time is incredibly busy and there are so many people. So if you're going to Sculptures by the Sea, try to go on a weeknight uh, because otherwise on the weekends, it's it's pretty hectic. But that's been really exciting and the weather's been really great. So it's been really nice. I think that's, of course, a little bit of a double-edged sword because it's almost been too nice. It's not usually this nice this early, but it is what it is. We're luckily getting some rain. So hopefully, you know, we'll be having some intermittent rain throughout the, the summer to keep all the wildfires and stuff in check. But Outside of that, it's been a really quick and speedy October. I can't believe that we'll be releasing this podcast at the start of November, and we only started in June. Uh, So a couple of months later, it's just absolutely flown by. So it's been really, really fun to keep moving throughout the year, and we're almost at the end of it, which is really exciting. So anyway, I'm excited for you all to listen to our podcast today. It's a really good one. I had such a fun time with Hugh talking about the Amalfi Coast. We have such great trips, and I think that you'll find this one is really nicely encompassing so many different aspects and some anecdotes and stories and and whatnot of our travels. And if you have any feedback or thoughts, feel free to send them my way. Uh, But with that, I will leave you to the episode. Thanks so much. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back, everybody. We are back again with an unsurprising co-host. At this point, you've heard his voice many times before. It is the very famous... Hugh. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) was wondering what the build-up was going to be there, but we'll take it. We'll take it. Hello and welcome, everyone. Nice to be back again. I I was going to say infamous, but I I think that I learned Mm. the, the meaning of that the wrong way when I grew up, so... Well, what did you learn it as? I think growing up, it was like someone who's, you know, so famous that you can't not know them. I'd say that's the correct definition. So <laughs> Okay, great. So yeah. amazing. amazing. I actually don't think that describes you. but <laughs> No, I don't think it does either. But okay, we'll go with it. <laughs> anyway, we're off to a really solid start. Well, we're back for another really exciting podcast. For anyone who is excited that Hugh's here again, we're really excited. It's your lucky day. He and I have been on a number of trips and we actually haven't even made really a dent in the trips. We haven't talked about Great Ocean Road or Wit Sundays or a number of the other ones. So we have many more to talk about. So he'll be on the podcast for, you know, foreseeable future. Did you want to add something? Well, no, I was just going to say you've had some great guests on. So it's it's important to keep things, keep things fresh. You can't just have me on every week. Um, so I know you've got some fantastic guests on. I know you've got a big lineup uh, due incoming as well. Yeah, yeah, we do have some exciting uh, guests coming up, some um, some really cool ones, but and we're trying to switch it up. But we also have really great content that we need to go over, right? So uh, making sure that we we have a good balance. But what we're really excited to talk about today is our first podcast on our Italy trip. And well, actually, I guess we did the podcast last week, but that was more about the preparation that was the prep side yeah i know we kind of touched on it but yeah that was more how to organize a trip and recommendations from ups and downs of knowing really how to organize it with a partner or friends or family yeah so this one is part one of our mafia coast trip 
And this is a really special spot we absolutely loved. And I'm so excited to talk about it today. In It is called a place called Vietro Sumar. Vietro Sumar. Vietro Sumar. Yeah. yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm really excited to be here and talk about it. It's one of those that everyone experiences that time where you go to all the amazing popular spots that everyone knows, but then occasionally you come across just a miracle place and one that lives in the highlight reel far above anything that you could have expected because you go in with empty thoughts and you come out feeling enriched, let's say. Yeah, that in essence, it was such a refreshing place and and I can't wait to dive into it. I'm I was thinking about before this you where do we start and I think that we should just start with one we'll start with how we found it. We touched on it a little bit in the last episode, but this was truly a place that we found that we had never heard of before and we just very quickly decided to go there. So we use your favorite search engine, TikTok, yes. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, this is it was really cool. So we touched on it a little bit in the last episode, but we were in undecisive, uh, indecisive about where to go in the Amalfi because there's so many recommendations. And I came across this TikTok of this Italian woman, and she was saying the most underrated place on the Amalfi is this place called Pietro Sumar. And I showed it to you, and the videos were just amazing. It looked so sweet, quaint. It wasn't that far from Salerno. And so it made sense as a first stop because we had heard that you maybe don't need to spend too much time in Salerno. And it completely blew us away. It what was, was your first impression? It was amazing. I mean, yeah, we kind of came across it by chance. Um, I'm glad, you know, it may not be my search engine of choice, but you're quite talented when it comes to TikTok and finding a few nuggets and yeah, it was a case that we knew we wanted to spend about what five or six days down on the Amalfi Coast. It was on the bucket list for both of us. Neither of us had been before. And obviously, when you look at the Amalfi Coast, the expectation is it's going to be incredibly expensive and it's worth it. I have to tell everyone here, the Amalfi Coast is absolutely worth it. It's the most unbelievable place. But Vietra Sulmar was, yeah, just the first town that we saw and immediately went, look, we're going to work our way from east to west. And this was the perfect starting place. Um, I'll, I'll let you get in on the context of, of what it is, but it's uh, probably the smallest town along the Amalfi. And little did we know, it just had so much culture and beauty to the whole thing. Is it the smallest town in the Amalfi? I think Ravello would maybe be a bit smaller. I think Ravello might be slightly smaller, but along the seaside towns, probably. Right? Yeah, we don't have. You know, we're not a, we're not an encyclopedia over here. Hugh has one on 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 hand, but it's not with us right now. So, Vietrasomar is really small, and it is on the sea cliff. And so, if you're listening, you know, just imagine the Amalfi Coast, and you are sailing, and you're looking at this large cliff edge. And you see a town on it, and you know you see everything from beach clubs on the bottom, um, you know where the cliff meets the ocean, and then buildings and little homes all the way up to the the upper part of the cliff. And that's what Vietro Sumar was. And our first impressions were we one, it's way closer to 
Salerno than Google Maps told us. (laughs) (laughs) So... The first warning would be, yeah, be alert on the bus. We weren't, and it ended up being quite panicky. We didn't miss it, fortunately. But yeah, Salerno, uh, just a bit of context, we were coming down from Rome. And so we took the train all the way down to Salerno. Really lovely, easy train to get down there. And we were then going to a random bus stop in Salerno, which actually is a huge town. Salerno is a lot bigger than both of us anticipated. It's stunning in its own way, but it's also quite an industrial area. It's one of the main shipping points for that part of Italy, as well as Naples. So it kind of had a had a feel of beauty to it, but also we were quite keen to yeah find that bus, get out. But we thought it would be about 30 minutes to get to. Well, we thought that because Google Maps communicated that to us. And... When we first left the terminal, and the train ride down is really easy. I'll do a whole nother train episode later about our train experience. But we had a really good train experience and uh, getting down there was really straightforward. We got off the train and we're looking for the bus stop. When you get out of the train station, there's these bus stops that go to the major towns. I think Positano and Amalfi and whatnot. And they're really crowded. There's tons of people. And so we were kind of with our bags rolling around, like, where's where is our bus stop? You know, 34B or whatever it was. And on the map, it says it's kind of around this little corner. We walk around the corner and it is you, myself, our luggage and maybe Italians. I mean, maybe five elderly Italian people (laughs) all waiting, like with their groceries. And that was our first sign that we were on the right track. And that also what we hadn't heard from this TikTok video, that this wasn't a big tourist destination was accurate in that it was not, uh, you know, it was not somewhere with that where everybody is is going. It's, it's actually really quite the opposite. So we get on this bus and it says 30 minutes. So I actually tie my luggage to, from, to stop it from rolling around to this bus pole. And I'm looking at my phone. I'm like kind of daydreaming outside. And all of a sudden you... Fortunately, kind of saw a sign which went Pietro Salman. This was literally about 12 minutes into the if bus. That, if yeah, that, if that, like maximum. Ridiculously quick. So it takes you up and above the ferry port. And we thought, yeah, it kind of works its way around the cliff. But literally, it is over the top of the, the ferry port, really, just around the corner. So. It zooms up there, the bus. Anyone who's been to Amalfi Coast knows that the bus experience anyway is a pretty mad one. The Italian drivers are very confident on these tiny roads on the edge of a cliff face. And they've got lead feet. so And they do have lead feet, 100%. But we we suddenly just arrived. And the town has, let's say, two entrances. But it, it all works its way down the, the cliff. So when you first arrive, it's just this tiny little area and you're like okay the bus drops you off there we panically got all of our stuff off well yeah so we can't we can't graze past the the you had said to me do you want to check and see where our stop is and yeah 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 it's it's in 20 minutes it's only (laughs) 10 minutes and then i looked down at the map and it was like we were there and the doors were open and so we were on this bus with only italians everyone is we stick out, stuck out like a sore thumb. And, you know, I panic, try to get my luggage untied uh, and, you know, shimmy off this bus looking, 
absolutely ridiculous as you have to embrace that you look when you're traveling around. And we made it off. And then we we were in Yetrasumar en route to our bed and back breakfast, which I think is where you're going next. Yeah, well, it's it was it was a panicky start. It was already thirty degrees, so there was a, a little bit of sweat peeling away already. But Celsius, Celsius. Sorry for the American listeners. Uh, and so, yeah, the town kind of had three different levels, and when it came to where we were staying, we didn't really know where we were going. Yeah, and before we get to that, really quick, because this is really stuck out in my mind. What was your first impression when we first walked across the road? Funny enough, we also walked across the road, later found out there was a whole undercarriageway where we didn't have to dodge traffic, but we did dodge traffic for did, this yeah. and a very busy road. Um, <laughs> the unhappy Italians, yeah. The unhappy Italians, yeah. So we get across the road and immediately you kind of see a bit of what Pietro Sumar is known for. Yes. So for anyone who doesn't know, which is most, Vietra Sulmar is the ceramic capital of Italy. And we didn't really know what to do with that information, I'd say. Until, we didn't really know what it meant. Like, yeah. what does a ceramic capital mean? But it came to be so stunning. Yeah. So it was, what it meant was that it's the highest producing town in that area of Italy that of uh, ceramic goods, whether it be plates or cups or mugs or these unbelievable homeware. Well, and they're all hand-painted too, yeah. I mean, for the most part. And they, they're they so unique when you look at them. I remember crossing the street and immediately saw this gorgeous hand-painted pot, uh, like flower pot. And immediately it was like, oh my gosh, we did not bring enough luggage for this <laughs> yeah we can definitely get to that part too because suddenly our luggage by the end of the trip might have looked a little bit different but it yeah it was amazing we walked down one street to start our search for where we were staying and every second shop was a ceramic store and it was incredible these are all hand painted these are all handmade the history behind it of when it started, we couldn't believe how different and how unique this town was. It it was incredible, really, like from the get-go. It was so stunning. And it was just really surprising. It was unlike anywhere that I've, I've ever been. And so we're walking into the town. It's, it's really lovely. And I also Google mapped us how to get to our bed and breakfast. So this is where we within about a 10 minute period were confirmed to not solely rely on Google Maps. Or just not to use Google Maps. So yeah, there's part of there's parts of Italy. So you can use Google Maps, but you just have to know it's likely not going to be accurate. And it wasn't accurate in this sense in a really, really terrible way. In that there are, I think if you've read or heard anything about the Amalfi Coast, you've definitely heard about the stairs. And there are a lot of stairs, which is fine. But Google Maps decided to take us this back roads way through all these staircases to get to our bed and breakfast. We had our luggage in the middle of the day. You were carrying 
the luggage down. I was running up and down searching for the bed and breakfast because the address, it wasn't connecting and, and whatnot. And lo and behold, there was a road right in front of the bed and breakfast. But it just never took us there. <laughs> yeah. I think Google's brilliant when it comes to trying to find the shortest route, but it does forget that when you're on a cliff, the shortest route, it, you know, it looks very different. And you can't blame Google for that. At the end of the day, the stairs are like nothing you've seen. And, you know, everyone must have the best legs in the world. But 100%. 100%. And, you know, we saw that as well. But it was very funny because... The town is split up into kind of three different levels. And you've got the amazing town center, which is where all these stores are. And then you work your way down and there's a lot of beautiful old housing and apartments. And that's where our bed and breakfast was. But also down at the very bottom, you have these pool clubs and it's a tiny beach down by the sea. And it's lovely. But to get down there, it is literally the edge of a cliff face. So... The infrastructure is incredible anyway, because it's so old, but still built on the side of a cliff. And yeah, Google said the shortest route was to go down this flight of stairs, which ended up being 422 stairs is what I remember, because yes, we did it so many times, I ended up counting how many it was. And with luggage in 30 degrees, it was quite frustrating to arrive <laughs> and see that there was a road that actually led directly to the bed and breakfast. But anyway. It was all a part of the fun. We luckily had our bed and breakfast host was so funny and he greeted us on this staircase and very kindly and uh, generously said, Christine, disaster. <laughs> because I had led us to through via the staircase and not the, the front. But it was really difficult. And so that is, I mean, one thing that was confirmed time and time again in Italy is that you really just can't rely on Google. Bless, it does its best. I think it does as good as of a job that, uh, you know, it can. But that being said, you have to go back to before Google and just talk to your host of wherever you're staying, communicate with them, ask them the best way if you should book a taxi or something of that sort um, just to get there. Because if we would have done that a little bit, if I would have communicated a little bit more with them and asked them, I I, I would have taken us the way of the, the scenic route. Which, yeah, I, I 100%. I think, you know, just embrace the location you're in and move away from tech. I, I quite enjoyed the fact that it was so <laughs> brash, the whole, you know, process of trying to find the bed and breakfast. And I, I love that. And I think we also knew we were onto a winner at the fact that when it came to our hosts and when it came to everyone in that town, none of them spoke a lick of English as well. And it's so different from the rest of the Amalfi Coast because it's a truly Italian town and you're spending time with only Italians. So if you speak Italian, it's wonderful. But also if you don't speak a lick of Italian like the both of us, it also led to a way more entertaining experience, which we'll get into. But it it showed us immediately that we're in a great spot because removed the really touristy aspect that plagues the Amalfi Coast in a good way. Yeah. But also 
it was it was amazing to get away and have this spot for a couple of days. Yeah, this is a place that I think is one of my favorites in that it's not touristy at all, yet it's really in a touristy area like the Amalfi Coast. So it felt like a hidden gem and it was so much better than any video that I had watched or anything of that sort. And no one spoke English, really and truly. We we had run into, I think one one waiter spoke English, one or two, you know, spoke English, but they didn't speak very much and that was so fine. You know, we did our best and and in trying of ordering food and whatnot. But it was really one of the the most amazing parts was getting to know our bed and breakfast hosts, Francesco and Carmen, and trying to speak with them in Italian because they gave us the tour of where our room that we were staying in and the the place and telling us about what time breakfast was and stuff, all in Italian. <laughs> I think Francesco's logic towards the whole thing that the more was that more, the more he spoke, the more we'd supposedly understand. And so from or as the soon more as, hand gestures, the more hand. Ge- I mean, that's just Italy in general. <laughs> I but know. It the more he spoke, the more we'd eventually understand. And we tried to explain to him that you know we don't speak any Italian, but that just made him more persistent to try and make sure that we would be able to uh, have a conversation and he was probably one of the best blokes I've ever met in my life he was so kind and so wonderful and such an amazing host but he did not give up ever speaking non-stop Italian to us explaining everything in the finest detail and it was infuriating because I really wanted to understand. He put in so much effort for us and he showed us the most wonderful time, but he just couldn't, we, we couldn't communicate. Yeah. Or we did, only through <laughs> hand gestures. Yeah, we, we tried our best. They were such a highlight. Francesco and cannot say enough great things about this bed and breakfast. If you type in bed and breakfast in Vietra Sumar, I think it's the main one that comes up. There's hotels and, and whatnot that you can stay at, but... This was a truly cultural experience. We Quintessential. Had, yeah. yeah. We had, I mean, they only spoke Italian. This lovely, lovely bed and breakfast that they had. They had amazing breakfast in the morning. They cooked us breakfast. They would come over first with a plate of pastries, which is so unlike anything else, you know, anywhere else. yeah i first the pastries which is like the warm-up to the actual breakfast yeah it was pretty good i had a great time you were sans gluten uh gluten free but i i meant that and obviously they didn't really understand they did not understand that no so i just kept having to like siphon my sweets over to you or put some in my bag for you to eat everything was going and he was saying things to me which is probably suggesting like why are you eating so much but yeah, we didn't want to not eat their wonderful food that they'd uh, curated for us. Yeah, it was really sweet. So they were such a highlight. They ended up being just such a core memory of our trip because they were really amazing. And we would definitely recommend staying there. They also ended up giving us some great recommendations of where to eat and whatnot, which we'll we'll talk about here in a second, which if you are staying in any of these places, I found that really everywhere we stayed they had really great recommendations and and that was really helpful because 
in Vietnam Omar and Ravella, we didn't make any reservations or anything. I just had kind of assumed we would be able to find places. And we did, which was great for September. I think that Ravello probably you would have maybe needed to, we could have made some bookings at some places in Ravello. It's a little bit busier, but Beatrice Omar, you can really walk up anywhere, get a great bite to eat and- Walk up the 422 steps. And- you can walk up the 422 steps. So you can get the good workout in pre-meal, which keeps you in, in shape for sure. So when we dropped our bags off and we were only there for really, you know, really kind of a day-ish. So our itinerary, we we got there early afternoon. We had a late lunch and then had dinner again. And then the next day we actually were doing a boat tour on the Amalfi Coast. So we were out for most of the day and then just had another dinner. So the first day... We went and we found a great spot for lunch, which I don't actually remember what the name is, but it's at the beginning of the the town. It was, yeah, up top near where you enter. Um, it's based in the middle. It's surrounded by, what, about eight different ceramic stores. And yeah, we... Eight is a, an understatement. I think eight I is think an understatement. Well, once so you walk down, I think there's genuinely over 40 ceramic stores around a small road there has to be and when we say enter too i think that sounds a bit foreign but when we're explaining it it makes sense the the town itself really does have a very clear main city street every all the roads really lead there and all the uh different um i don't know if you would call them kind of tunnels or alleyways but they have you know really small areas that are going upstairs and through kind of houses in this cliffside that then everything really does lead to that that main street so when you enter it it's really you do have you know one really main street that you walk into and then you have all these ceramic stores and restaurants and and whatnot yeah and it's a common theme across the Amalfi when it comes to roads and cars. There's there's not a lot of major roads or there's one that goes across the whole Amalfi and the ones in the towns are these tiny single lane roads. So everyone has these wonderful tiny smart cars or tiny little vehicles that they use. Uh, you know, you've got 70-year-olds riding around on the craziest 1960s style scooters as well. And most of it's all just walking. So it's a really lovely feel. And again, it just didn't have the tourists there. So it it was quintessentially Italian and wonderful. Yeah, we went to this restaurant for lunch, had an amazing pasta. That was a common theme as well. But then we decided to go for a little walk around this place up top, this, this, this road. And we checked out a lot of the ceramic shops. The ceramic shops are are so incredible. I have never seen anything like these ceramic shops. You walk into this very small space and ceramics are stacked up to the ceiling. And every single one of them is different. Some of them are a little bit more stock standard. Some of them are incredibly artistic and very fine art-esque and everything in between. And so we just spent so much time weaving in and out of these ceramic shops, trying to, or maybe I'll speak for myself, trying to figure out what and how we could possibly get any ceramics. Yes. (laughs) The Uh, transit. The transit. (laughs) I 
yeah, we I loved it as well. And I think the most amazing part was everyone had their own unique touch when yeah. it came to how their plates or their mugs or cups were made. And it was beautiful going in and seeing all these different things. And you wanted to buy everything, absolutely everything, which, you know, you do. And I'd I actually... could have brought home multiple suitcases full. Yeah. and it Because w- like you, you looking at them, it's like you won't find anything like them. It's not that I could go down to, you know, the local hardware shop and find a plant pot anywhere near a stunning I mean, think those things really only come in like terracotta and black. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. It's Vitris Omar actually has a name for itself across the whole of Italy. And I we only really discovered this once we were there. I'd sent a couple of pictures of these amazing shops to my family. And turns out when my parents were in Naples, they had picked up some ceramic plates to take home. And on the back was the announcement that they these were also made in Vietra Sulmar too. So it's a global thing. Yeah. There's you'll find these plates everywhere and that's because it's the most unique location. And we'd actually spoken, I think it's a good time to to mention we we spoke with one of the owners of these stores and it was her great grandfather who'd started that shop. And it was a family-owned business that had been running for over 150 years or something crazy. Yeah, a really long time. And it was really cool because, so what we ended up doing, and I think that this was really awesome. I would recommend this to, to anyone. We decided to get some plates. We decided to get six plates. So a set of plates. And that was enough that we could carry back and enough that we could have a full set. And we would get one plate from six shops. And the one that, that we're, we're talking about, really stunning pieces, but also had a, a plate for every budget. Some of these plates were, you know, 10 euro. Some of them were 100 euro per plate. There was really ranging in terms of the artistic, you know, um, I don't know really like the artistic capabilities that you you would see on this. So some of them yeah, were just like kind of had maybe like a donkey in the middle, like one donkey or something. And then the others had like a whole scene or whatnot. And they were, first of all, so stunning. And you couldn't even believe that some of the people would have painted these. But it was really cool because we ended up buying, we actually from this one in particular, because we loved it so much. And they also had the biggest supply so there were so many options to choose from. And you can tell that they did different collections. We bought two mugs and one of the mugs was from her mom's collection that her mom did, you know, just a small ceramics mug collection. So we grabbed one of those and then we had another mug that matched a plate that we we had got. And we went back twice because we ended up not finding kind of another one that we we liked later in the night and came back and she was so lovely. And just knowing that these businesses still exist, you know, they have this whole factory, they have all these people that make these ceramics and they they do, she did say that they export these ceramics from her business to actually London. There's, an, there's a store in London that, that sells them. Uh, it was really cool uh, and a really unique experience. Definitely. And what I loved about it was it hadn't been commercialized at all. 
yes, there was a store in London and this was one of the biggest, um, you know, businesses in Vietra Salmar, this ceramic shop. But it's still quite... Like how, mom and pop. Yeah, it yeah. is still just very much a family business. Like it's not, you know, they don't sell online. They don't do any of that. It is purely either word of mouth or specific places around the world that they wholesale it to. And it's wonderful. Like it, it makes it feel very special when you're going and finding your own crockery there because it's so different from anywhere else. And yeah, I couldn't recommend that side of it more to anyone just because it is so different. But head there with space in your suitcase. Yeah, well, I guess, so how, how did we pack it back? Well, they're very good and they package the whole thing but well well, they wrap them they They, wrap them them. yeah but it's a bit of you know bubble wrap and and one piece of paper but we were able to put it into our suitcase and we figured out oh we figured out a way Uh, i i I carried them around (laughs) europe to be perfectly honest but we basically slotted them in packing cubes so this is another plug for packing cubes if you haven't heard them they can really keep ceramics and clothes in a very safe cube so we had had like maybe two plates of cubes if only this podcast was sponsored yeah yeah i mean this isn't sponsored by packing cubes but uh it could be one day um when they learn about an innovative way to use their packing cubes to transit ceramics around the globe around the globe it really was uh we ended up what, taking it across back across europe and then all the way over to australia so yeah i just want to know i did carry the mugs in my bag and i had a number of flights after this and i looked after those things so much because your aunt had told us she also went to the Amalfi coast and had bought some ceramics. She had bought a, a pot as well. And then I think she sent a, a plate. She hand carried the, the pot on the plane uh, in her carry-on, but the plate that she put in her luggage had actually broke and she was so devastated. Because of course, right, you're not gonna get it again. You know, you're, you're not, not gonna, gonna get it anywhere else. Go and they back are very and delicate. they're not, you know, not really able to replace them. And so when she told us that we were on guard and going to do everything that we could to make them return home safe and good news, they did return home safe. They did indeed. They did indeed. And they look wonderful. So yeah, would 100% even for the ceramics alone recommend Vietro Samar. But what were some other favorite parts that you had of the place? At this point, I'm thinking of two things. One, I really enjoyed the beach and there is, so there's a public beach and then there are some beach clubs. We didn't end up going to the beach clubs, but they seemed great. And our bed and breakfast hosts had recommended La Kuruma Beach, La Kuruma Beach. And they really recommended that one. They know the owners and they said that that one was really great. It's uh, 30 euro for to rent a bed. Um, and that seemed pretty affordable at the time, uh, but we didn't end up going, unfortunately. They do have a bit of strange hours. So they're only open from, I think, 12 to 4, and then they open up again at 8. So when we did want to go, it was like 5 p.m. But that was really nice. So we ended up walking from the top of the town, the main part of the town, down to the beach, 
lovely, ran into a random taco shack place. <laughs> you were getting a bit hungry, and fortunately, there was a Sansa Gluten uh, taco store in the middle of nowhere, da- halfway down. So yeah, it was there great. was a random it's taco. It's got character, this town. It's, it's, it's really so got sweet. It's so sweet. And yeah, so they had gluten-free tacos, which was, which was really great. And then we hung out on the beach and we actually chatted to my fam for a bit, um, told them a little bit about the trip, showed them some of the views. And the next day we had this incredible boat trip along the Amalfi. So I think one of the things that we had done was early on, we realized Viedra Samar is really small and we probably don't need two full days to explore it. You and I also really like to at least do an, an activity every, you know, couple days or every other day. And so we had planned this boat tour. Actually, we had initially planned to go to Capri, but the the swell was too big to get to Capri. So they had told us, you know, we can go to, uh, we can take a, the boat tour of the Amalfi Coast and it stops in Amalfi and Positano. And so we rebooked onto that. And I think that's worth talking about. It was so much fun. And we had one of the best days. It was the best day, 100%. It was the one great, well, another great thing about Vietra Silmar is it's so well located. It's close to Salerno, which, as I mentioned, has the major shipping and ferry ports. So you can get anywhere across the Amalfi Coast from there. Uh, it's not half an hour, it's 10 minutes from, <laughs> from each place. Fear not. Yeah. yeah. So Google don't, also said you could you could walk from Vietra Silmar to Salerno, but... Also, don't do that. Because, again, it says it's a, you know, 25, 30-minute walk. Sorry, it says it's a 45-minute walk. walk. But also, you're walking down the edge of a cliff again. So, would not recommend that. And onto a a interstate. (laughs) No, don't do it. So... Uh, it was it was amazing. So we had a beautiful day in Vietra Sulmar, really just exploring up and down the hills. Uh, if you're a runner, it's an incredible run around. Um, I'd done that in the morning. It's tough as hell, but so worth it to get the views that you do from both the top and the bottom of the town. And then, yeah, as you say, we had this opportunity to take this boat trip all the way across the Amalfi, uh, going off from Salerno. And that's one thing on the trip that I could not recommend more. It was probably one of the favorite parts of the whole Italy trip because it was a small boat. You have loads of options when you pick. Our recommendation would be to go with one of the more unknown boat services uh, or booking options. And it's only you know, seven or eight people on a boat. And it's amazing. Yeah, this was this was a really big highlight. The I think Max was 12, I think. And we got really lucky because we had booked this uh, yeah, boat and, and it just said small boat tour. So we didn't really know what to expect. And we also didn't know what small meant because sometimes when you go in these tours, small means 20 people. Um, but this one meant 12, we actually ended up being the last boat called, and I think we only had eight people on, and we ended up getting on. We met this amazing couple, Sarah and Cam. Cameron, um, and they were so lovely, incredible. They're from Canada, so really close to where uh, where I'm from. Shout out Winnipeg. 
<laughs> shout out to Winnipeg, uh, shout out to the North America. And we met them, had a great time with them. And the boat drops you off at a couple spots. One, they have like welcome champagne, which is really nice. It dropped us at this. The first spot was this incredible spot where there is this phenomenal hotel built into the the cliffside. We kept asking ourselves, is no one worried about these rocks falling? It didn't seem like there was much of a concern, but this hotel that we had stopped at was among the list of the top architecturally impressive hotels in the top 50 in the world. It was incredible. So the one thing that I don't think anyone will contemplate before you get to the Amalfi is the size and scale of this amazing cliff um, faces. So this hotel, there'd previously been a rock slide a couple of hundred years back and after it, it left this huge cave, which literally you could see exactly where all of these rocks had fallen down. And someone had built a hotel directly underneath this incredible cave. And yes, I'm sure it's, it's stable now. A couple, years ago, a couple hundred years ago. So it's no biggie. <laughs> but we just couldn't believe that there was this incredible hotel, which if you're lucky enough to stay there, I'm sure, I think it's a couple of thousand a night. It might be worth saying. But Oh my gosh. Yeah, I couldn't even imagine. It was so stunning. It was actually a hotel that I was looking at for a long time. You I was really mesmerized by that hotel. <laughs> I thought you meant looking at it beforehand. And I was like, oh, oh we no, were no. living different trips. But <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I just, I kept staring at it. It was really stunning. And so what we got to do is that was the first stop. We got to jump out and swim for, you know, 20-ish minutes. Really lovely. Also the first swim in the Mediterranean, beautiful blue waters, just so stunning, the color and really refreshing. I will say I had seen on TikTok a couple of women in their TikToks say that the water in September is the warmest. It was a great temperature. I wouldn't, or I had seen them say it was warm. I wouldn't say it was warm. It was definitely refreshing. It was definitely refreshing. So, yeah. I mean, I don't think that you're going to come to you're going to come to to the Amalfi Coast and have warm water, which is great. We don't need it to be warm, but I had felt very refreshed and had very much noted I had read something different online. So it's an appropriate temperature that it needs to be um, refreshing, I would call it, uh, but it's not too cold. And then we stopped out in Amalfi and Positano and swam right outside of Positano, which was incredible incredibly picturesque yeah it was it was stunning um i yeah the, the the boat trip itself what drops you off at kind of four separate locations two of them swim spots and then amalfi and positano but there's a tour guide also who explains to you all of the different parts of the coast and you know you've got these incredible stories dating back hundreds of years you know there's there's the horse cliffs which we all just couldn't believe she was saying it in a strong accent, but everyone heard as she explained in great detail that it's this, you know, 300 meter cliff, which when horses were no longer of use or injured or sick, they wouldn't just, you know, shoot the horse or they wouldn't kill the horse. They'd push the horse off the cliff. 
So these horses would fall 300 meters to their death, these poor creatures, and it just becomes commonly known as, yeah, the horse beach. Because it's got the remnants of hundreds of horses. <laughs> so <laughs> tragic. It's and obviously the the tour guide is saying this so casually, but you can't believe some of the the most random snippets of history that you're learning on this beautiful, elegant boat as you sail the the Amalfi Coast, feeling like a rock star. Well, but- so as a a fellow historian uh, or history nerd, I think you would maybe associate yourself with. Yeah, I'd say so. Okay. Yeah, great. Did you find that part of the tour surprising? I found it one of the best parts of the tour. Okay. And suitable to your history expectations. Yeah, I think so. It's look at the end of the day, it's the Amalfi Coast dates back to the Roman age. You have remnants of Roman villas that How often do you think about the Roman Empire? Oh, don't even. <laughs> <laughs> you have to answer. Well, in Italy, a lot. <laughs> Probably a lot. every 30 minutes. But <laughs> it was... I think it's probably the same outside of Italy, too. Yeah, uh, all right. <laughs> it was incredible, okay? We have our answers, people. We have the answer. But I found it such a core part of the tour itself because it, it really makes you appreciate the history of what, has created this amazing part of Italy. And it's not just the beautiful coastline. It is civilization for thousands and thousands of years and forming, yeah, what is this really different part of Italy? It has such an amazing feel to it. And I think the whole of the Amalfi, you listeners might be getting a vibe that we want everyone to go there. And I think they should. But I I couldn't recommend a boat tour like that enough. You, yeah. you can either take the ferry, and yes, the ferry is cheaper, but you don't get the experience. You don't get the conversations with new people. You don't get the tour and information that really makes you appreciate where you are. Yeah, 100%. Cannot recommend the boat tour enough. I think our, our friends, Sarah and Cam, I think they really enjoyed it too. And they were, that was their only day really in, in the Amafi. They were just there for one day. And um, yeah, it was a great way to see even just snippets too of going and stopping in Amafi and then stopping in Positano. We had a great lunch in Positano. Really lovely. Got to walk around a little bit. You're not there for very long. You're there for just an hour. And I had read some reviews that people were, you know, I can't believe you're only there for an hour and whatnot. And I thought it was perfectly fine. I thought that you you start the day at nine, you end the day at five. I think that that's really all you can ask for unless you cut something else out or you left really early. But I think they did a great job and, and it was really fun. So wherever you are on the Amafi, definitely have a boat tour. I think that that's super important. And uh, yeah, there's a number of companies, like I said, that do it, but this one was great, small, and and really suitable um, to to really what we, we hope to get out of it, which was great. So the last thing I wanted to talk about is, well, the food, what stands out to you about where we ate in Vietri? Vietri, I, yeah, I hope you remembered some of the names of the spots uh, because okay, I, I do, I do, you do, yeah. I, so I wanted you to mention the so Divina Vietri is the pizza place that we went to. Yes, and tell everybody about probably the most interesting pizza you've 
Ian, I would say. Yeah, so the wonderful thing about Italy is, obviously, when it comes to pizza and pasta, they don't just know what they're doing. They blow your mind and send you to heaven every time you go to a good restaurant. But it's... I made a quite a rogue choice. And you made a rogue choice after we had just decided, because we had another interesting meal that we had decided, look, we're going to stop getting really exotic looking things and get the basics because we're in Italy. So you had chose the green pesto prawn creme fraiche parmesan stick it was it was a prawn pizza, but let's just say I hadn't put too much uh, thought. You know, obviously being on the coast, it was our first evening there. I I thought I'd go a bit out there and get myself a prawn pizza, which I still will be honest was delicious. But having had a look at everyone else's, just go with the classics. It go was with the margaritas. Go with the diavolas. Go with whatever you need, because you um. I think you got a Diavolo or a Capricosa or something like that. A really, yeah, I got one of the, the spicy salami ones. Yeah, Diavolo. And absolutely blew me away. It was the best pizza I've ever had. And this pizza place was pumping. So if you're going to Vietra Sumar, definitely go here. But plan accordingly. We waited for about 40 minutes. 40, for, 45 minutes for, for, a, a table. for a table, yeah. But I had read online and via our bed and breakfast hosts, uh, they had been confirming that it was worth the wait. It is. And it's in this beautiful little square, which is so hidden away. You have to take these tiny little walkways to find where it is. And it's it's got such an amazing feel. I don't think we'd be able to give it its just deserves if we tried to explain what the feel of Vietra Silmar is. But it is so homely and so attractive in the way it feels and i loved that part of it that any corner you went down you'd have these amazing colored houses and you'd have all of these tiny streets where you could see the families of six or seven bundled into this amazing small apartment but then these beautiful squares which had all the history and yeah, it's I, I couldn't recommend it enough if I think that's the, the point we're trying to make. And it's slightly cheaper than a lot of other cheaper, a lot yes. of other places too. Food cheaper, accommodation cheaper. Drinks and cheaper. Drinks cheaper. And I think we we skipped over this at the beginning too, but how to get there. You can take a bus, that was really easy. And we took a bus, it was uh, pro tip, you should get your bus tickets before you leave the train station. A lot of people didn't know this and I didn't even know how I knew this, but a lot of people left and then came back in and there was a huge line. So we got really lucky that we had gotten in line really early, but you can take the, the bus, but you actually can also take a ferry. And so what would have also been really easy and actually easier for us because our accommodation was closer to the ferry port is there is actually a stunning ferry port and it's right next to the main main beach. It's all really walkable and and that's that was really nice. So uh, you can can ferry to get there. But I think when I think back at it, it just yeah, it, it seemed really like a movie. I mean, we would walk into some of these ceramic shops. There would be an older gentleman in the back sleeping you know, all of this being his own hand-painted ceramics. Six Italian men out front with cigarettes watching all the women go past. Yeah, we, we chatted to this guy who was a an amazing purse designer 
who had these stunning bags. And Salvatore. He, Salvatore. And he had made bags and some of them had little lights inside. And my first thought was, what on earth have we been doing that we don't have lights? Every single time, anyone who's listening to this who has ever had a purse can relate. It's a dark hole in there. Like there's no, there's no light. Like we can't see, nothing in there touches the light of day. We have to have lights. I couldn't believe it. I was so, so shocked. So that was amazing. And yeah, the food we we ate was incredible. The last honorable gluten-free mention, but I can't actually remember the restaurant's name. We had a really good gluten-free meal. Uh, and it was the only place that we ate in Beatrice Samar that had a gluten-free, any gluten-free bread. And I can't remember their names. I'll have to follow up with everyone on what the name was. But all in all, what stands out to you about your favorite part about Vietre? I'd say it was the exploration piece. There wasn't really much information available about it. And that was perfect because it makes you go and explore. And walking around this incredible town, you, you honestly feel like you're in a Bond movie almost. It's so beautiful and the people are amazing and the passion that they have for where they live is amazing if you get to speak with any of them but yeah just just walking around corners with you just exploring and going into old churches and finding more and more you know unique places that would that that for me was the highlight i think it just it's such a different place and i could not recommend it more to anyone traveling because yeah, for me it was it was a perfect part of our trip. What do you reckon was your favorite piece? I I just loved the ceramics and and I loved it all, but I am such a ceramics fan. I love doing ceramics. I really feel like there's so much value in ceramics itself. I love handmade ceramics. You know, I have stuff in our house that I've made. I have this beautiful really special mug that I got last year in uh, in Santorini that is such a meticulously hand-painted mug. And I also wish I got more of those, but of course I couldn't couldn't carry it back. And, and I just, I don't know why, just one of those things, I just love them. I mean, all the mugs that we have are unique and and have gotten them at different travels at different points and and I really loved that and so seeing all these ceramics was just very inspiring and I was like oh my gosh I just you know I just need a ceramic studio in our house like today but it was really inspiring but it also just was it was so beautiful it was just really cool all these people had different stories as well the last you know anecdote I'll, I'll share is one of my favorite ceramic stores, aside from the one that we we had already talked about, was I was walking, actually I was looking for you. I think I was waiting outside one of the shops and I looked at this door and this guy had a National Geographic article on his store. And the National Geographic article was talking about how differently he looks at the art that he creates through ceramics. And different is an understatement. He had the most incredible art pieces I've ever seen. The I, I don't even understand. It's so beyond my ability to comprehend how he actually made this beautiful art on these vases and these ceramic plates. Uh, but it really stands out and it was very 
very different from the other ones. They all were amazing, but this was such on a different a different level. And we went in there and chatted with him and he was really lovely. And his mom was in there. You know, she she kept trying to say the couple words that she knew in English to try to get us to to like look at um every everything I would pick up. She would say, oil painting, oil painting. <laughs> and he was like, Mom, it's not that's not an oil painting. And she was she was so sweet. And I really loved that store. I mean, that store will stick with me for for so long. And I took some photos and stuff to have. But yeah, I really loved the the ceramics. And uh, I feel like, it, yeah, it's a really special spot. So it's the perfect start to an Amalfi trip. And you you honestly should not pass it up. The other places are great too, but this has a lot of character and a lot of personality and a lot to to offer and in a great way to start the the Amalfi. Definitely. If I was to sum it up, and I completely agree with you, it's the character. But if you're going for a quintessential tourist experience, Vietris Silmar is not going to be on your list. But if you want a quintessential Italian experience, then 100% you need to go and spend, even if it's just one or two days, Go and experience a place like that because it'll make you appreciate where you are, who the people who live there are, and remove the cues and hustle and bustle of just tourist mania. So it was perfect for us. I know what a wonderful time we had there. And I will definitely have it on my list to go back to when we get the opportunity. Yeah. Well, and I think also in saying that we did go the first week of September. So I really don't think that it's it would be so busy in the summer um, because the other places that we went to in September were crazy. So, you know, but that being said, this was in the first week of September. So who knows? It could get busier, but it was really lovely week one of September. Um, and I think, too, it's really easy to get to by ferry. So you can easily jump off the train catch a ferry there and then stay there for a day or two and then ferry to Amalfi or Positano or whatnot. So, all right. I think that that is a grade A debrief, an overview of Vietra Sumar. We hope that you enjoyed it. We have absolutely loved talking about it. It has been really fun to to rehash and talk a little bit through it as we have only, you know, talked about it bits and pieces since we've got back. So thank you, Hugh, again for for joining us. Thank you. No, no, lovely to be able to talk about something that we both loved so much. So yeah, it definitely brings a lot of uh, fond memories back. And I'm looking forward to hearing other friends, maybe family be there at some stage and say the same thing. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So hopefully th- this inspires you to add it to your Mafi Coast travel list. But that is all for from us today. Thank you so much for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, we would love for you to share it with a friend or leave us a review. We've gotten a few reviews lately. So thank you to anyone who's left a review. It really means a lot and it helps other people find us and it helps us grow. So thank you so much. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Bye. Speak to you later.